Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right. The, the show today is about divorce. So you're about to get divorced. You know, that is something that is really on the rise in the United States. Also, marriage is on the decline, especially. And I think this is also around the world, but I don't have all the statistics to validate that. But the deal is, is that the bottom line is a lot of people are getting divorced. And COVID did contribute to that because they had to bump heads with each other 24 by 7. They had to look at each other and all their frailties. And it's really easy to sit there and pick each other apart. And some people just do that. The other part is one of the things that holds some people together is their faith. And nobody was able to practice their faith in a real way uh, during COVID. And so, yes, uh, morally, we have slid down a very strong, slippery slope, and we continue to go down that slope as people want to believe in themselves as God rather than God itself, himself. And so, unfortunately, we have forgotten as a culture that marriage, no matter what faith it is, is a covenant. Now, in the Christian faith, what's really interesting is that a woman walks down the aisle because that is what God did for Abraham. It's a covenant that he made to Abraham that I will always have you. I will always take care of you. The other part is the woman wears the white dress because that's the light of God. She wears a veil because if he saw God's face, that that would be, uh, you would die. Abraham would have died. But that is woman's commitment to man. And she's sacrificing her family who are all sitting on two different sides of her to get to the man. And the man and the woman make a covenant to each other by their vows. One of them is to cherish, to cherish your wife. Wow. What would that be? Well, that's, I can't be the man I am without her. I don't even know why she's with me. I'm lucky to have her. She's my best friend. It's that way when I'm with her. It's that way when I'm not with her. I'm so proud to be with her. I love all of the great things she does in my life. Yes, we have problems. Yes, she has quirks, but I love her. And I need her. Unfortunately, many people go into marriage taking care of their own personal needs rather than considering that they're now signed up to put their partner's needs before their own. And that goes both ways. And a woman's uh, uh, commitment to the man from a covenant perspective is to respect. Well, God forbid. You know, what respect means is that I actually care about what he thinks. And part of cherish is I actually care about what she thinks. And the other part is I actually care about what she feels. I care about what he feels. As a matter of fact, if you put how each other feels first, and instead of saying, how was your day is how do you feel? How do you feel about your day? How do you feel about your life right now? How do you feel about our circumstances? If you checked in with feelings, you'd do a lot better in a relationship. Unfortunately, friendship is built on that, but unfortunately, a lot of people forget that and they focus on what they do and all what they've collected and all the great things they have rather than the actual soul-to-soul -soul relationship of feelings being shared between two people. One of the greatest things that takes place 
as far as contributing to a divorce is the lack of emotional trust. They destroy each other's trust because they have to be right. I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. I need to be right. I'm right. You're wrong. You don't understand what you're saying. I My intentions are more important and my reality is so much more important than your reality. That's what people do in marriage and they destroy each other. And it's unfortunate, but it contributes to the idea of going down the path of divorce. Well, what we're talking about today is how to cope with the fact that you've already jacked it all up and you don't want to take any accountability so you've handed everything off to an attorney and you're destroying each other financially and your children's future. But that's irrelevant. What's more important is what you do with your life now. And that's what we're going to talk about. You know, we, we, we are now, statistically, people are getting married later. Women are getting married around 28 years old, men around 32 years old. And that is the average uh, going on today. Now, if you were to look back 10 years ago, it would be about 24 years old for a female and about 27 for a man. However, people are waiting and waiting because their careers are taking longer to cultivate. Their earning years are happening in their 30s rather than their 20s. And now they're having to uh, make it all up because if you're 30 to 50, that is going to be your earning years. After 50, you're worthless as a, as a, as a tits on a boar hog and so basically as you're 50 after 50 it's very hard to stay relevant in this economy in this technology and in this world unless you own a business or have some skill that people continue to need like plumbing and electricity doctor lawyer and a few other things maybe even counselor and so you know as we move forward we need to understand that divorce is on the decline because the contract of divorce in almost every state in the United States, if not all across the world, sucks. It's the worst contract you'll ever sign. Why do people do that? Why do they sign their life away, their life savings, all the work they're going to do? Well, because they want to make a life. They want to have children. They want to love each other. They want to have memories together. They want to have a legacy of their life that's remembered beyond them. That is the value of marriage. But that comes from the covenant rather than the contract. And so, you know, you can always stand from the covenant. If you go from a God perspective, you fix your marriage because you want to fix your relationship with God. Your relationship with your spouse is intended to tell you as a measuring stick where you stand with God by how you treat your spouse. Yes, you treat your spouse well because that is treating God well. That is your relationship with God. It is personal. It is not about your partner. Your partner has all their problems, all their frailties, all their insecurities. You have to be strong with God. If you are strong with God, you have a much better chance of understanding their insecurities and being more forthright and being there and doing what's called the right thing for us. Unfortunately, people like to do what's right for them instead of us. And that immaturity, that lack of accountability leaves us in a place where as marriage, it erodes and erodes and erodes. So, you know, as we think about it, we are going to get a divorce. If we're going to do that. Let's talk about the kids first because they are the victims. Kids are not making your choices to get divorced. You're making choices to get divorced and you're deciding how they're going to be raised through their childhood into their adult life by 
your choices. And so as you brought them into this world as breeding stock, you went out and bred. Now you have to actually be a parent, God forbid. And that's another part of the reason why you have to have a good relationship with God and your partner, because you want to be able to raise your children. Unfortunately, people forget that too. And so we, as a people, have to understand that our integrity is based on how we honor our commitments. When you get divorced, you are destroying your integrity. Everything that you committed to, the covenant you made with God, is now destroyed. And you are going to have to rebuild that. And unfortunately, many people continue to make selfish choices in their midlife crisis or in whatever thing they have to do to make themselves feel better about themselves. And as they do that, they lose their integrity. So people that end up in nursing homes by themselves with no one to show up, no one to care, no one to take care of them, they're all there to just sit there in their room by themselves, making a life in a nursing home. That's because they didn't manage their integrity in a good in in most likelihood. That's not everybody, but that's a good chance. It's a high percent of the people that are there. You know, we have to understand as a culture, we have decided that divorce is okay. We have moved from the '60s into the '70s percent as far as divorce is concerned in this world. Now, fortunately, people are staying married that are marrying in their more mature years of their 30s because they're mature enough to understand what commitment and the value of commitment really is. People that understand commitment, people that understand making decisions and committing to decisions is what makes your life valuable. Unfortunately, a lot of indecisive people who don't even know why they're on this planet which could be the greatest day of your life is to figure out why you're on the planet, have a lot of trouble understanding the value of commitment. You know, no matter what happens, more often than not, it's about disappointment. That's why people get divorced. They come into the marriage with unrealistic expectations of how it's going to be, how they're going to be treated, how they're going to live. And when it comes down to everyday issues like money, children, jobs, it doesn't happen the way you planned it. If you want to be depressed, if you want to live in the sense of being a failure and everybody else failing you, have expectations. Perfectionists, people that love to call themselves perfectionists, are people that are on a very self-destructive past to a breaking of every commitment they ever make in their life because everything becomes black and white, failure or no failure. Here's the deal. It'd be nice if we understood that quitting is the problem, not failure. Failure is meant to teach us. And hopefully, if you've already got divorced, or if you're getting divorced, or in the middle of a divorce, or you're at the end of a divorce, you learn something from it and make it a testimony and take accountability for every little thing you did wrong in that relationship so at least there is some value of understanding of who you want to be in this life and what it's going to take to actually have a healthy relationship you know another thing that really caused a lot of things here's some symptoms that really cause divorce a lack of commitment to the partnership some people will not admit that they'll say well i took them on vacation i did this i paid for this i did all these great things i was nice on this one day of my life you know i honored their birthday i did all the i bought them a brand new car you know all these things that's not a commitment to partnership a commitment to partnership is based on trust 
financial, physical, and spiritual, and emotional. If you can't hit it out of the ballpark in those departments, if you're not fully committed in those departments, you're headed down the path of divorce. Also, infidelity is a big one. Loneliness. That lo- marriage is the loneliest place on earth when it's not working, but you're 50% of the problem. So you need to figure your crap out. Instead of pointing at your partner, you need to figure out your crap. You know, are you guys trying to parent each other? Oh, did you watch? You didn't wash the dishes. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't do this. I can't believe you didn't show up on time. Look what happened. You know, that's all this immature little childish thing trying to parent your spouse. If you're going to do that, that is not sexy. You're going to be, uh, be upset, not because you're wrong or the person is wrong in what they're saying. It's how they're saying it. People get divorced because they treat each other like children. They think they're the parent of you instead of the partner of you. And that, after being treated over years and years and years, even months and months and months, even weeks and weeks and weeks, like you're a child, Yes, you're probably going to get divorced because you can't stand how that person has decided to treat you and how they their narrative is about you. Well, you're childish, so I'm going to treat you like a child. I'm justified. Well, you're justified in creating a divorce because of your own stupid attitude. Unfortunately, people live in their narratives rather than the reality. I'm actually talking to a 40-year-old person, not a child. God forbid you actually address them as an adult like the rest of the world might do. Unfortunately, if somebody's a playful person at 40, there's a good chance you're going to be treated like a child by your spouse if they resent you. So women will nag you until the end of life because you don't cherish them. Men will withhold cherish because you treat them like crap and you don't listen to them, which means you don't have to agree. You just validate. Okay, so you feel like this. So I understand you think I'm this. I get that. I understand that. That's called an adult. Accountability is an adult feature. Unfortunately, most people reach actual 18-year-old maturity at 32 these days and actually saying what you're responsible for and admitting to what your mistakes are in a real way that you completely understand, that tells you that now the problem is over because I completely understand your perspective and how I'm being seen. We are responsible in marriage for how we are perceived. That's really hard for people because what people perceive in us is entirely different than what we want them to believe about us. And what we want them to believe about us is our perception of the truth. And a lot of people are so egotistical, they want their perception of the truth to be the reality of their partner. And their their reality is not valid because mine is more important than yours. You know, God forbid we actually accept someone actually is criticizing us. Someone actually is recognizing some inconsistencies in our character. God forbid we understand the impact of our choices on our partner, even if their perception is wrong. It's irrelevant. We have to accept that in marriage. So the psychological impact of divorce is here. When a marriage falls apart, there are real psychological issues to present themselves. Many people want to avoid that and go off 
and get that rebound relationship going or have that take that affair and turn it into something more serious so they can actually avoid the problems that they they contributed to the divorce. So they want to be the same person, but with somebody else. Well, that's not going to work because you forgot to take accountability for your 50%. You know, just like the fear system of anger and resentment, a lot of people will go to court and take their anger and resentment out with an attorney and spend their entire retirement and their children's livelihood for the rest of their lives and their college and their future and any contribution you can make to that. And what they basically do is destroy it and give it to some attorney who goes off and buys another house for themselves or has their sixth wife that they have to buy a new insurance policy for so they can get a $6 million when they die. But, you know, it's important to note that falling out of love doesn't mean marriage will end. It's one of these, these brain systems that are associated with partnering. You know, one is the sex drive. Uh, second, second is intense romantic love. And that is the, uh, the honeymoon phase of a relationship that is very toxic. However, narcissists love the honeymoon phase because they'll romance the hell out of you. They're the most charming people in the world during the honeymoon phase. But once you've actually committed to them, they turn into the real person they are, which is a selfish ogre only caring about their own needs. A lot of people will deny that until they finally realize that they've married a narcissist. This society today about gaslighting us into believing every possible thing that the media wants us to believe and the politicians want us to believe. So we go about our life understanding that we got to understand that gaslighting is actually the truth. And that's what we all have come to believe instead of what the truth is. It's sad, but we're programmed that way. And so we're trained to love narcissists. Okay, you know, logistics alone, it's very stressful. You have to divide your assets. You have to move, likely. You have to figure out custody. You have to negotiate with and negotiate a brand new relationship with your children. And almost everyone has been through this will tell you the feelings of embarrassment and guilt and regret that surfaces after you do it, especially after you've turned into a total jerk in court because you never know who you marry till you divorce them. When you divorce them, now you get to see the whole Broadway production of what you actually married. You know, you have to look at your situation and understand that you've got to have hope. If you're going to get a divorce, you've got to have hope and faith and have a vision for what your future is going to be. And if you're going to be with somebody They need to marry up to your vision for the future, and that vision needs to include the direction you want to take, the passion and purpose of why you're on this planet, and actually integrate that into somebody who complements that. If you never knew who you were, you're probably worthless in marriage because you need to know who you are so that you hold your own path in marriage while your other partner, while your partner is destroying their own path, at least they have a safe place to come to, which is the steady course that you've kept in your life. You know, marriage, uh, divorce is very traumatic. And, uh, you know, people that are destroying attachments that they've made, especially after they've bred and had children, now they have to figure out what real love really is. And a lot of people don't understand that. So we're going to talk about life after divorce in a real way. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. You know, unfortunately, whether you instigate divorce or are blindsided with the papers, the the challenges really affect you. It's a horrible process. Those who initiate divorce often spend more time in denial and pushing it off on their partner. It's their fault. They're inflexible. They did this to me. They did that. They love the victim themes. They love to sell themselves off as the victim instead of just saying, yeah, I was an asshole. I was a jerk. I did this. I did that. I was not a good person. I did not help my partner. I did not put them first. I did not understand about doing what's right for our marriage, for us, for God and for myself. I did not understand that. And now I'm here. And so here's the five stages of divorce. The first stage is denial. Denial is not accepting, and this is grieving also. Denial is, is accepting divorce as your reality. It, it's, it's used as a defense mechanism so people don't feel too emotionally overwhelmed. Yes, I'm getting divorced. Yes, divorce is on its way. Yes, haven't gone to court yet. Yes, we haven't worked out all the financials yet, but I think I'm going to get this or I'm going to try to get that or I'm going to get that house. That house is going to be mine, even though I'm going to unseat my children from their home and and my wife. I'm going to sit in there and hoard that house because it's going to be mine, mine, all mine. Yes, I earned it. 
they didn't they need to go live in an apartment in the in the slums you know that's that's how people will operate in the denial phase that they are denying that they're actually going to absorb some kind of accountability then there's the anger phase now they realize they're not going to get everything that they want they're not going to get everything on their terms that the judge is going to decide for them if they can't compromise with their partner and it's really likely it's going to be really nasty and it's going to be 50-50 no matter how many millions of dollars you spend on the divorce. It's an average of about $100,000, by the way. So emotions run high during this phase. And in that stage, the, you suppress them when you're in denial. And then people channel their emotions into hatred and blame during that phase. And that partner of yours that you're divorcing has become the most evil human on the planet. They're hurting you in the most possible ways. They're taking your children from you so you cannot see them. They're not following the schedule. They're not following our agreements. They've lied to me. They're doing this in court. They're taking me because they found a new checking account. There's all kinds of things that go on during this phase to fuel your anger. And if you want to do that, you have to do something about it. So as we enter the anger phase, we start doing things about it, like paying extra money to an attorney to do this, that, or the other, or paying extra money to hide things from our spouse so that they don't come up in court. There's all kinds of manipulation that goes on, all kinds of hoarding of your money so your spouse can't get that money, even though in court it's likely that it's going to be evenly divided no matter what you do because they do what's called a forensic financial examination and in that you're not gonna hide your stuff unless you got a bank account in switzerland and there's a good chance in this electronic age of technology that they're gonna find that too then there's the bargaining phase couples going through divorce often look back at their marriage and replay moments that they think that could have impacted the outcome and this leads to bargaining and one partner is trying to work things out promising to make you know, doubting and questioning if she, he or she made the right decision. And it's an attempt to pump the brakes and get your old life back. Some people stop at that phase. And that's really smart. And that's a good thing that they stop at that phase because they're starting to do damage control and recognizing I got myself in too deep and I did not give what I needed to give to this marriage. Some people go into that phase and become very constructive in their process. If that partner is saying, you're just doing this to get me back, then you're in trouble. If it's, I'm doing this because I need to be a better person, now we're talking about somewhere where you can actually negotiate. Then there's the depression phase, and that's when the reality of the situation sets in, and it's the toughest and often longest stage where you just sit in it and talk about to yourself all the things you lost and all the opportunities that are gone and all the lack of relationship with your children and all the lack of resources to make all those dreams come true. Now I have to rebuild and maybe things aren't so hot with my job and I'm trapped in my job now because I'm trapped in a divorce and everything is just a trap. So we go into this, this uh, huge funnel of depression and hopelessness. Uh, and that's created by negative catastrophization and anticipation of the worst possible outcomes. If you want to get away from that, you got to go, I prefer. I prefer this wasn't happening. I prefer they weren't taking this. I prefer I had a better shot at the kids. Now I can form a plan to make things better. But with depression, it's hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. Poor me. Sad thing. 
and all your decisions are made emotionally because you're trying to comfort yourself. Unfortunately, that's not going to get do well for you after the divorce. You need to understand that comfort is in taking responsibility and making a plan and having a response rather than a reaction to your divorce. And then finally, people get into acceptance. And that's when you make peace with the situation. You find hope in the future. Uh, People may start to feel like their old selves again and have a renewed sense of freedom and relief. And that's a great thing if you can get that back in your life. Acceptance doesn't mean all the negative emotions are gone, but people will see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's important to not be so deeply emotionally attached to your past and to the nostalgia of your past. What you want to do is be excited about the future and the possibilities that are ahead of you in your future based on the lesson that you learned from the divorce. It is a lesson. It's not a failure. It's a lesson. And that's what it's meant to do. If you're going to get divorced, can you, for God's sake, at least learn something about yourself so if you commit yourself to some other poor soul in your life, you actually give them what, what is needed to make the relationship work, which is number one, care, concern for their pain, understanding you have to learn to suffer for another person, not them just suffer for you. And you have to do what's right. That means you have actually a moral compass. You know, no matter how you go about divorce, it impacts kids psychologically, physically, academically, behaviorally. Children will demonstrate the effect of divorce in various ways. And it's crucial that they feel as though they have space to express their own emotions and concerns. Now, this is the funny thing. People out of guilt and shame getting divorced will force their kids to go to therapy. And then they, those poor kids in misery are sitting there having to expound all of their issues to this therapist when it's actually the two crazy parents that are the problem. They didn't create this problem, and you hauling them off to therapy isn't going to help. What they need is friendship. They need people who love them, people who are stable in their life, people that are permanent in their life, not these flaky parents that you guys have decided to be. You're not that anymore. You may be the stable force of the thing that's keeping their life together now and preventing them from being in complete and utter poverty because you know you, you have half the income you used to have, if not less. And so there you are with your kids. And what are they doing? They're trying to survive too. And so they're adapting and they go to school and they have temper tantrums and they treat other kids poorly and they start arguing and they they start misbehaving and they start being defiant. If God forbid, that's what's happening. But negative attention is better than no attention at all. You know, for everybody involved, a support system is key to survival. So there are boundaries. Boundaries is what we can do and what we can't do. So when you're negotiating boundaries with people that are supporting you and your kids, you have to be really good about what I can do and what I can't do and allowing yourself to understand what you can do and what you can't do as far as the other people in your life that support you, what they can do, what they can't do. You need to really go there with that person and understand what is their willingness to give? What is their ability to participate? And if they overpromise in this voluntary duty of helping you through the divorce, you have to understand they're volunteers. They're not there out of obligation. Yeah, they may be a grandparent, a sister, a brother, a cousin, but they are not obligated to you. 
And so you have to have a backup strategy because their life is complicated too. And they have problems too. If you're just going to dump on them all the responsibilities because they're willing to help you, that's going to be a really sad thing in your life because eventually you're going to burn your bridge with someone who really loves you and cares about you and understands your suffering, but they can't take it all on for you. You have to set the tone for how others can be supportive. You need to have a good attitude. After you have decided you're going to get divorced, you need to be the person that they see in the mirror. And that means you have to be resilient. We're going to get through this. We're going to be strong. We're going to make it. I'm going to do the best choices I can with what I have. And we're going to build a life together. And we're going to have possibilities that we've never dreamed of. And you don't ever ever want to give up your dreams when you're getting divorced. That is a huge, huge thing. So the process of divorce, you know, is an event. And if you want to uh, understand that it's a marital dissolution and it is done by a judge, that is the dissolution of the contract. There's also the covenant. That's why the Catholic Church asks you to go to your bishop and have to actually uh, apply uh, to have the marriage uh, uh, taken apart in the church. However, you know, a lot of people, when they get divorced, they believe they're divorced in church and with God. Unfortunately, that relationship also has to be negotiated. And if you really want to do well after divorce, start treating your partner with some sense of dignity and respect as you would want to be treated. That means that you both give each other time and you both understand that you're not going to control how you discipline. You're not going to control the circumstances of each other's home. What you can do is look out for the preservation of your children and make sure they're not abused, neglected, starved, have no clothes, be treated poorly. Yes, you want to worry about all those things, but to over uh, over try to control what your partner does and doesn't do with your kids, you're divorced. You have no right. So just shut up and witness and understand that you're there to support and give them as much support as you can. You know, imagine a household in which a 10-year-old child uh, gradually stops doing their, 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 their schoolwork, perhaps because of an overly critical teacher whose impact is largely out of, out of conscious awareness. So this gets, uh, you know, the mother and far father to argue over how to discipline him be, or that child because they're not doing their schoolwork. But you're not really attacking the problem. You're attacking what the child's not doing. You need to attack the problem at home. If you want to prevent a divorce, attack the problem. It's your relationship. You're tearing their life apart and they can't focus on their schoolwork because you two sit around and argue all the time, including after a divorce, because you both can't stand each other and you take it out on each other. You can't do that in divorce. You have got to negotiate a positive relationship with your partner. And it is a conscious uncoupling. It is making sure to understand that we are adults we're going to do this as adults, and we're going to look out for our kids, and we're going to try to do what's right. And if you're an alcoholic and you're getting divorced, or you're a drug addict and getting divorced, don't expect you to have uh, time alone with your kids. Yes, you may have a stupid partner that allows you to do that and never really claims that you're an alcoholic because they want to go work and they want to do their personal stuff. And who cares if you're drunk and have your kids, you know, because they're so selfish 
they have to do their own personal thing. I've waited all these years for this great moment of me to be free at the cost of your children being with an alcoholic or a drug addict. So if you're going to be divorced to somebody like that, you really don't want to give them a lot of custody. You need to have plan B where you have a support system in hand. It's also, you know, uh, uh, anger. If you're going to live in anger and resentment and divorce, you need to drop it. You need to drop it now because that means you're going to call to action. You're going to do horrible things and you're going to say horrible things and you're going to make really bad emotional choices. If you're going to be divorced, back off, turn it into a business transaction. A business transaction doesn't always go well. You flow with the punches. You flow with it. That doesn't mean you overcompromise. That doesn't mean you 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 compensate. What it means is you have to understand you have to adapt and flow with the process. It's not always going to happen on your watch, but control freaks can't can't stand that. There's also custody concerns, and that's a formula. It's like you get an 80-20, a 70-30, a 60-40, a 50-50, whatever that is, a 90-10, whatever the percentages are, that's going to also have an economic impact on whoever's on both sides of that. You know, we have to understand that if, if you're going to be divorced, it costs money. It costs lifestyle. It costs your ability to have income for yourself. It, it means that your work can also become a trap because the courts are going to rule based on the income that you make. If you're making a certain amount of income, that is what you're going to be responsible for. And so you're trapped in your job. And even if you quit your job, you're going to have to understand that your finances are going to be held to what the court has decided. And so, you know, going through that process of divorce, you have to roll with the punches and understand, hey, it's going to be hard times. I may have to eat popcorn every night. I may have to eat mac and cheese. I may be living at a friend's house. I may be living with mommy and daddy. You know, whatever the deal is, you may have to do that because you chose to go down that path. Integrity, when you destroy it, also begets really bad choices on the other side, unless you've decided to marry somebody rich or you pair yourself up with somebody who has more money than God and that person could provide you the great life. Yes, but if you get divorced from them, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be nasty. You know, every relationship and every person is different. And and by the way, if you if you marry somebody with a differential income, they're going to have a huge say on what happens with your children because they're likely have to spend money on your stupid divorce too and deal with your stupid partner too. And so they get vested in your life circumstance, which means they get an opinion. And that means parenting. And that means discipline. And so guess what? It's not so fun. Sometimes you turn in a turd for even a worse turd, you know, and you have to think about the cost of doing this. You know, we have to believe in the reasons from splitting that are entirely unique and different. But if, you know, if you want to show that a person is incapable of being married, which a lot of people are, especially narcissists, they are not capable of it. And we have to understand that we may have married somebody and, and, and deluded ourselves to believe that they are capable. All right, we're going to take a break and we're going to come right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about, so you're going to get divorced. You know, let's look at this and understand there's two things that people evaluate in marriage all the time and before marriage all the time the first is how do i feel about myself with my partner how do i feel about myself when i'm with them the other thing that we're always evaluating is what does the future look like with this person based on what's how i feel about myself in this marriage and as we go through marriage and commitment all the days of our life we are constantly evaluating those two things And when both of them continue to tick off as negatives all the time, and you guys never reevaluate each other to make sure you're on track for a positive, possibility-driven future and feeling good about your lives together and yourselves together, if you don't make that happen in a a committed relationship, it's probably going to die. You have to put those things forward. Now, if you're going to go through separation and divorce, it's hard. But there's some things that you need to do. You need to recognize that it's okay to have different feelings, that it's normal to feel sad, angry, exhausted, disrespected, humiliated, frustrated, confused. And these feelings can be intense, but you don't have to do anything with them. Just sit with them and let them be. That doesn't mean stuff them. Just recognize them. Tell people, I'm frustrated. I'm, I feel disrespected. You know, I've been angry a few times. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm very confused about this whole situation. Communicate. Communicate, communicate, communicate those feelings so you don't do anything with them. You also 
may feel anxious about the future and accept that reactions like these will lessen over time. The future you need to have faith in. It's going to be a good future. Things are going to work themselves out. It's going to be hard now, but it's a process. It's not an outcome. Today is not what it's always going to look like. And you have to remember that as you're moving into this process. You also need to give yourself a break. Give yourself permission to feel and to function at a less than optimal level for a period of time. You may not be able to be quite as productive on the job. You need to communicate that. You or caring for other people in exact ways that you used to, you may not be emotionally available to do that. But that doesn't mean you're always going to be that way. It's a process. It's not an outcome. You're just communicating where you are in the process. You also don't want to go through this alone. Sharing your feelings with friends and family helps you get through this this pocket of time. So, you know, get a support group if you can, where you talk to other people in a more confidential way. And, you and you know, if you don't, what you're going to do is you're going to raise your stress levels, reduce your concentration, which gets in the way of work and providing and relationships with your children and, and getting through the divorce and peri- uh, period. You need objectivity. The only way to have that is to have other people you can communicate to in a confidential way. You also need to take care of yourself physically and emotionally. You know, take care of your body. Take time out out to exercise. Start eating well. Get off the booze. Get off the drugs. Relax. Keep your normal routines as much as possible. Try to avoid making major decisions or changes in life plans all of a sudden. Don't use alcohol and drugs, cigarettes as a way to cope. They only lead to more problems. That's really important if you're going to get divorced. You also want to avoid power struggles and arguments with your former spouse. You know, if a discussion turns into a fight, calmly take a time out and call a time back. Do not continue. Call a time out and call a time back. We need to be more adults. This is a serious decision we're making. I'm emotional. I'm sure you're emotional. We need to take a time out one hour. And let's come back and try to do this as adults. Stop parenting each other. Also, you want to take the time, if you're going to get divorced, to to explore who am I? Why am I on this planet? You need to reconnect with yourself and enjoy doing things apart from your ex-spouse. You know, have you always wanted to take up painting, play an instrument, learn a language, play, play, play some kind of sports team? Sign up for a class, invest time in your hobbies volunteer take time to enjoy life and make new friends that's important you also need to understand you have to think positively if you're going to be divorced you have to have faith not fear you know it's easy said than done but things may not be the same but finding new activities new friends moving forward reasonable expectations will make it easier so be flexible have positivity in your life be the positive person in your life we're gonna get through this we're gonna make it things are gonna be okay we're going to get through this i have a plan i'm it's not gonna take place right away but slowly and surely our life is gonna get better and better and better also life is going to get back to normal a new normal not the same normal And it may be different than what you originally hoped, but you have to be willing to be flexible and understand that. With children, it's really important for you if you're getting a divorce and have children, you need to reassure them and listen. 
Make sure you know that the divorce is not their fault because they think it is. You want to listen and ease their concerns and be compassionate, you know? And you also need to maintain stability and routines. That means a schedule. If you're one of these flaky parents who says, I'll be there at this time, or I'm going to show up here, or I'm going to get you at school, and then you never show up, you're destroying your kids' lives. Do not overpromise. Do what you say you're going to do. Your actions are the I love you, not your words. You know, maintain routines, especially with your kids on a daily and a weekly basis. And you're not doing this to get your partner back or to get some respect or get some some uh, credit from your partner. You're doing this because you need to have a relationship with your children. And do not do it for financial reasons to get more custody so you don't have to pay as much as you pay now. Do it because you love your kids. You also want to offer consistent, unemotional discipline. You want your kids to learn to do what's right. But that doesn't mean you spank them and hit them. If you're going to do that kind of crap, you become a threat. You become somebody they don't want to spend time to. If you're a guilt and shame oriented parent, oh, you're wrong or you're terrible. I can't believe you did this. If you're one of those negative people, you better cut it out because your kid's not going to want to be around you. They love positivity. I know you're better than this. I know you can do better than this. Let's work on this. What do you need to do a better job? Also, you want to let your children know they can rely on you, but that means your actions on your words are the same, not your flakiness. If you are a flaky person, then let your other spouse, if they're not a flaky person, play the big role in your children's life. Shut up and go grow up. Don't take it out, your flaky crap, out on your children. That is the worst thing you could possibly do. It diminishes their self-esteem. It diminishes what they thought their value was to you in their in your life. You are just breeding stock if you're a flake. If you're not a flake, that is apparent and that is what they need. You also don't involve your children in conflict. Putting them in the middle is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Yes, it's tempting to tell them how they need to think about your ex-spouse, but that is a really dumb thing to do because they're forging a brand new relationship with them. And you need to respect that because you want your children to be out of the middle and go into their adult life, understanding their adult parents were adults when they divorced and looked after their needs when they're divorced instead of took it out on each other. You know, when you're moving on after divorce, keep in mind that there is not one size fits all approach to healing. You know, everybody's different. So here's the deal. You want to prioritize your self-care. That's your exercise. You're eating well, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, leaning on a positive support system, engaging in meaningful hobbies and passions. But here's the most important thing. Answer the question, why am I here? That is the most important day of your life. And that sets the stage for where you're headed. Why am I here? Although it may, and why I'm here can't be all about me. It has to be what people will seek me for in this life. That is what needs to be, why am I here? It's not about how much can I get from everybody else. Also, it may feel like everything's falling apart, but it's critical to remember all the blessings you have in life. Happiness is looking around and even that I have a portion of what I used to have, a lot of the things that I currently have are things I dreamed of having. 
And if you remember that, you begin to become grateful. Gratefulness is the way out of bitterness. Being grateful for your partner, being grateful for your children, being grateful for your ex-partner, being grateful for what you have, being grateful for your employer, being grateful to all the people that you hate for the good things that they may have brought your life and the lessons that they may have taught you by their horrible behavior. All of these things can give you things to be grateful for. If you do that, you're moving away from anger and bitterness. You also need to rediscover what makes you happy. You know, if you don't make a decided future, character is based on decisions and commitments. You need to start making decisions and commitments to yourself and to your children. And if you bring somebody else in your life, they need to know where you're headed. If you are a decision maker and committed, you are teaching other people how to love you. That will be a very important component of boundaries in your life and how to have support in your life by people knowing where you're headed. You know, support groups are a big thing after divorce. They they give you connections and validations. You'll be surrounded by other people who've gone through horrible things and are in similar experiences because they're not in the group if they weren't in pain in their life. And they they, you know, they've battled too. And you share that, you know, groups help us battle loneliness, being judged. They also make us feel more open about talking about our personal experiences and accepting that we are human. Also, it increases our ability to cope with stress and and living useful, getting some feedback and being open to feedback rather than having to be right, which is probably why you're divorced anyway, because you had to be right. But the bottom line is maybe you finally learned that life is consultative. That means we learn from each other. That's a huge component. You know, you you, you have to be mindful of your your negative behaviors like drinking, drugs, overeating, over-talking people, always having to be right, being a narcissist. You know, all these things we have to become much more mindful for after a divorce. A divorce is there to teach you. You know, and you also have to understand if you're going to get divorced, the last thing you want to do is cyber stalk or stalk your partner. Leave them alone. Let them move on. You go move on. Grow up and get away from them. Stop micromanaging their life and do managing of your life. The other thing is you need to be kind to yourself. Treat yourself well. That is that is what we need to do if we're going to get divorced. That's our show. I want to thank you for listening. I love hearing from you. You can do that at our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, the Health and Wellness Channels, also Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, divorce is the end of an error. Error. <laughs> also, some people divorce for religious reasons. One thinks they're God and the other doesn't. Also, it's better to have... Uh, loved and divorced than to be stuck with a jerk forever. It's also for narcissists getting divorced is being faced with being wrong and gaslighting the world to believe it's the other person's fault. Also, sometimes a person's purpose in life is preparing their marital partner for the next one. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 